What's up, everybody? How we doing? How we living? This is Austin Cunningham, and I am joined, as always, with Justin Treese, Doug Anderson, and Riley O'Brien. Boys, how are we doing? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Just moved, so I'm tired. Smooth transition. Exciting. Kind of scared. Where you at? Um, it's really exciting. I mean, we're in St. George, Utah, and it's like 80 degrees right now. It feels really nice, so I really can't complain. It's perfect. That is until July when it gets like 115 degrees. Ugh. Gotta love Utah, right? No. <laughs> I just hear it's amazing. Like, here's the best place to live. Just in the middle of nowhere in some mountains, desert, maybe a couple buildings. That's that's what I hear anyway. Okay, essentially, though, that is where I live now. Desert, maybe a few buildings. But Salt Lake, like Bountiful area where everybody else is from, there's a shit ton of buildings, man. You best not be shitting on it. Speaking of that, though, Austin, fun fact for you that you wanted to talk about. It, it might not have a lot here, but you want to know what it does have? The What's field that? from Sandlot. Yes, yes. Tell me about that. How I didn't know that it was in Utah. I don't know how many other people did. Uh, fun fact here, Therese, I'll just go ahead and dive into this. Therese mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, the movie The Sandlot, that baseball field is located in Utah of all places. So these poor kids had to film a movie in Utah. Maybe <laughs> they enjoyed it, maybe they didn't. But, I mean, how iconic is it for you guys to just kind of go, yeah, a movie was filmed here. Like, this is the famous Sandlot. Does it still look the same? No, it doesn't look the same at all. They've, like, redone a lot of it. So, um, but back in the day when I used to go there as a kid, um, it looked exactly like it. We'd always go and, like, drive by it on the 4th of July as a family and stuff. So, yeah, it was a good time. Did they have organized baseball out there? Was it just always a pickup field? So that was like just a field that not a lot of people used back in the day. Um, but baseball is very big in Utah. Like it's kind of the sport. Kind of like how – I'm not going to consider it as big as Texas in football, but like how everybody in Texas loves football. Yeah. Like Utah baseball is kind of the sport. So do you guys have a lot of pro athletes out of Utah? Yes and no. Um, I mean there's a fair amount, but I mean we have a lot of really good players. Yeah, I would say more of like they're filtered into the system. I wouldn't say they're stars or anything like that. Yeah, so my high school, uh, and Riley's high school, I should say, when we went there, the years that we went there, we had four, three kids that were drafted by the Braves. Um, wow. And then one of them didn't get drafted because he tore his meniscus. And it's actually a kid that grew up next door to me. Awesome kid. And he ended up going to and playing in Vegas and was the number four hitter behind Bryce Harper in college. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, they're like really good friends. Like he always like gets some tickets and he like goes out and goes to games and stuff with him. It's pretty cool. I asked yeah. Trent uh, one time, I'm like, so what, you know, in basketball, you know, you see somebody hitting a bunch of jump shots or football, like a really hard hitter. I asked Trent, like, so how like what was it about Bryce Harper that was one thing that you just noticed? And he said, uh, the sound of the ball just smacking off his bat. He's like, it was loud. The loudest thing I've ever heard. So I thought, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Got to play with Bryce Harper, man. And Austin, you get a podcast with the three of us, dude. Like this is good, man. You and Bryce Harper are basically best friends at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, same people, same kind of guys. Yeah, same oh, for, sure. Yeah, for sure. One hundred percent. I mean, you guys are welcome. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's it. That's basically it. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. I've done so, nothing, but you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, Doug, you were not able to come to our last podcast. Obviously. True. Um, so we did our whole little segment of our teams and we had some people on Twitter asking their thought or your thoughts on the Browns. So let's go through like a quick, quick, uh, overview of what you think uh, of your players. So I'll go down the list and you just tell me the player. Sound good? Breakout player for the Browns. Um, Greg Robinson, who's going to have one of those years where, Last year, he his first-round talent, it showed. And this year, it's going to show again. He signed a one-year contract um, to prove himself. So Greg Robinson will left tackle. He'll be, the, he'll be the shiner. He'll be what everybody loves, the breakout player. Okay. What about comeback player? Terrence Mitchell, the cornerback. He broke his arm last year um, amidst of a really good season. Like He had an interception so far the first I think in every game for the first three games. So he was on fire. He was everywhere, or at least a turnover, I should say, not an interception, whether it was forced fumble or interception. But Terrence Mitchell will be the comeback player after that injury. All right. Rising player. David Njoku, the tight end. Um, each year he gets better and better and better. His first year as a rookie didn't do much, is what everybody thought last year. He started to show more consistency, and then this next year, he's looking to be one of the best on the team. Sweet. Don't forget about what player. You know, there's a ton of uh, there's there's a lot of attraction to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. right now in the wide receiver core, but you can't forget about the boy Antonio Callaway. He's a little speedster that they picked up last year, and he proved his worth. Um, he was able to get a really good connection with Baker, so that's what I'm saying with Antonio. Cool. Uh, what player needs to rebound? This is not a popular one, but I will say, though, Christian Kirksey, the linebacker, he gets hurt every single year. He is always voted a team captain, though. That's a thing. Like, he is a great locker room presence. He's a really good guy, but just not showing on the field results. They're not behind him, so he has to do good this year. Okay. What about a dark horse MVP for somebody on your team? Um, I'm going to go Joe Schobert. I think that once – so this year, he really is kind of the heart and like the middle of the defense. He's the best coverage player for being a linebacker too. Um, he's all over the place, has great heart, dedicated to everything that he does. The year before, not last year, but he led the league in tackles. This last year, he was the second highest graded – coverage linebacker so this next year i just see big things coming for him okay cool and under the radar player Jannard avery uh last year i felt like he was a pretty good steal from the draft and he did really good as an edge last year um he could work a little bit on his coverage so then he can be more of a outside linebacker instead of just an edge um and he can drop more into coverage um he could prove his worth and he'll be with Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett on the outsides now. He'll be in either a rotation or have to find a different role to fill. Um, but he'll be a pretty good breakout. Or not. I need to say that again. He'll be a pretty good under the radar player. Uh, but Janard Avery, awesome. Doug, um, 
Doug, wanted to ask you, as it pertains to the Browns, how important do you think it is for them to win their first game or first couple games? If they come out of the gates 0-2, 0-3, do you see any drama there? Or oh, ha- yeah. how are you feeling? There will be panic. That's Jimmy Haslam's way. He panics. If he, he's let John Dorsey have full reign right now. Of um, he's let John Dorsey take full reign of the team right now. Uh, Freddie Kitchens was made as the head coach. John Dorsey's making all of the final decisions. Jimmy Haslam's known for panicking though, and when something's not going the way he likes to see, he's just gonna pull the trigger way too quick and ruin everything. Uh, if the Browns, is that true though? I mean, you guys went zero and sixteen and then kept your head coach. Does he really panic? <laughs> Well, I do think he still panics. I mean, Hugh Jackson lasted for like two and almost half a season, not quite. Um, But most of the time, if he doesn't see things going his way, he always gets in his GM's way and says, all right, this player needs to go. We need to do this. I mean, I don't know if you guys read the, the ESPN article of pretty much the Browns dysfunction since 2012. Um Jimmy Haslam's kind of been the guy that's come in and derailed the path that the organization wants to go. Um, but this year was the first time where jo- he's like, John, just John Dorsey, do what you can, do your best. I'll let you take control. Um, so that goes back to like the original question. If they go 0-2, I don't think it's going to be like anything insane, but they're going to have their guard up to where it's like, all right, let's see how they do against the Rams. And if they get absolutely pummeled by the Rams, then I do see Jimmy Haslam all of a sudden putting his hands where they shouldn't be and messing something up. Yeah. I mean, for me, any team that has any sort of hype, if they start at 0-2, there's going to be panic. It's not just the Browns. It's any team. But that actually brings me into – perfectly into what I want my trivia question to be. So we're going to hurry and go into that real quick earlier than normal. So since you were saying that they don't, they jump the gun and get rid of people super quick. Here's my, here's my trivia question here. How many offensive coordinators are going into their third year or more with the team? In the entire NFL? In the entire NFL. I would say six. Okay. Doug? I'd say five. Okay. So either way, you guys think it's low. I do. Yeah. Out of third. The answer is three. Okay. So yeah. really, I, I, I went five really reaching high there. Because really the only one that I could think of was the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> so then, that was it. My next question is, do you guys know who the three are? One of them is the Patriots. Correct. <laughs> Josh McDaniels is one yeah. of them. Who's the other two? Um, The one with the Texans. Nope. The Giants? Nope. Remember, Giants got a new coaching staff last year. So oh, they're all going to the second year. Um, it's not going to be the Rams. W- would it be the Rams? No, because they they lost their their OC this year. Are you counting like three years? Like this would be no, 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 no. 
are you counting like what would carry over into this next year's three, or would this carrying into this next year be four? This carrying into this next year will be three. So, for example, the Chiefs OC, what's sorry, what's his name again? Eric Bieniemy. Would he count then? No, because he, he's going into his second year. Shit, I knew that. Right? I knew because that. We, yeah. I knew so that. I knew that. Yeah, I knew. You. I knew that. Yeah, totally. I knew that. While 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 uh, Doug and Austin think about their candidates. The, this is a good point because there's so much turnover, but how many like offensive schemes are there? Like how many different, you know, everyone's got their, their style. I mean, there's 32 NFL teams. Is this just like a personality thing or is it really, a, you know, a staff saying like, we just need to have a totally different personnel package here. So let's go bring in this guy. No, I or for me, just a fall guy for me. Yeah. For me, it's two things. You either were successful and your OC became a head coach or two, you didn't make the playoffs, so they have to they have to fire someone, and they're going to yeah. fire the OC. Okay, are there are there remaining two teams in the AFC or NFC, or one? Another one's going to be the 49ers. No, because I'm not counting. I'm not counting. So, and that's why I, I was trying to bring this up. I'm not counting a head coach as an OC. Damn it! So sorry. I should have I should have said that from the get go. Or Shanahan would have been one of them. But Doug, one's in the NFC, one's in the AFC. One is in your your division, Austin. Here's a quick question. The Chargers. Is it the Chargers? Yeah. Ken Ken Hunt is going into his third year. So he he barely makes it. And you guys probably won't guess this next one. Is it – well, I'm trying to think. Is it the Saints? Yeah, Pete Carmichael, the Saints. And he is in his 10th year as the O.C. How long has Josh McDaniels been the Patriots since like 2011? Seven. Seven oh. Years. oh, so 2012, 2012. Okay. Yeah. Well, is that since he's been back? Because he, you know, went. Yeah, that's coach. since he's been back. So it started over because of the whole Broncos. Right. So, anyways, going off of your point, everybody jumps the gun, man. Like that's we, true. We have a whole bunch of people that are only going into their first or second year. Jeez. Jeez. That's so crazy to me because it's like you you pretty much move your entire family, you move your whole life to have a job for at least two years. You would think sometimes lasts only one year, but that's such a that's such a scary career to go into. <laughs> yeah, but so like enjoyable at the same time, right? You know that would it would be awesome, but yeah, just the amount of times you'd be moving or. But to, real quick, to answer Riley's question, um, a lot of it is just a, either a change of voice, you know, someone that has a passing scheme that now wants to have a running scheme to change it up, or someone that had a running scheme, you know, and now wants a passing scheme. So it's just those little things right there that kind of carry over and go, hey, this isn't working for us. Let's try this. It gives us somewhat of a reasoning and cushion from the fan base to let them know we're trying something new. We're trying to change things up. Be excited for this instead of the, this isn't working, we suck, everyone's upset. Hopefully it's, that makes uh, sense for you. No, it makes perfect sense. It's exactly what the Lions just did with Jim Bob Cooter because he he took over uh, for Lombardi in 2015, I think it was, and immediately it was just like, he's got the greatest uh, rapport with Stafford and the offense was doing great. And then towards the end of last season, he was just every single play call. I refreshed my Twitter page, and it's just like, how is this guy still offensive coordinator? Who, who do you guys think is the best offensive play caller in the game right now? 
Andy Reid. And there's, I don't know who else you're going to say in all reality, besides maybe a Kyle Shanahan schematically getting people open or a Josh McDaniels. And then, of course, the guy in Los Angeles with the Rams, Sean, Sean McVay. That's who I was going to go with. Like, really, my top, I'm going to give him a top three. And it's all the guys you practically just named with Shanahan, Reed, McVay. I'll have crazy great offensive minds that can manipulate the other team's defense. The reason I say Andy Reed and I stick by that so strongly is this guy creates new plays. I mean, yeah. he creates success within the NFL that a Sean McVay can take and install in his offense. Like, Sean McVay is getting praised for stealing plays, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's super smart. I don't know why more coaches in the NFL aren't doing that, but that's just him being smart if, in a sense of it works for this team, it can work for us. When Andy Reid is, we're going to change the game this year. We're going to. We're going to give them a new wrinkle. We're going to show them something they haven't seen before. You know what I mean? He dives into where the college playbook is and says, will this work into the NFL? And that's exactly what he's done the last couple of years. In the last three seasons, he's created a new offense where it starts the NFL in. Oh, my God, what's Kansas City doing? We haven't seen this yet here in the NFL. Yeah. I actually saw a stat, and I'm going to make sure to go and look it up again, and then I'll talk about it next episode. But I did see something like – Julio Jones last year on his catches averaged like 1.1 yards of separation from the DBs and the, um, who was it? Robert Woods and, and Brandon cooks both averaged over three and a half yards of separation, which to me is, it's not because they're better than Julio Jones. It's because their offensive coordinator is finding ways to get them open and to so for me, Austin, I don't disagree with you. It is Andy Reid making up a lot of these plays, and McVeigh is copycatting them, right? But the question was, who's the best at calling plays? That's why I'm going to choose McVeigh. Yep, well said. Good point. You know, I'm kind of looking up right now. I know this kind of goes backtrack a little bit. I don't even care. Um, but I'm looking up right now defensive coordinators for teams. And I'm not going to say that being a defensive coordinator is better because generally, I'm not going to say generally, a lot of the people that are defensive coordinators, a lot of them get hired within. Um, Like the Ravens, for instance, their defensive coordinator has been their linebacker coach since 2012. And he's heading into his second year as their DC. Um, And so a lot of the time with DCs, I feel like they get hired within they seem to last a little bit longer, not that much, because there's a ton of new ones coming in this year and from last year. But a lot of the time, they hire from within. Like, I mean, your new DC, Treese, I wouldn't say new, not really new, three years ago. Two years ago? Three years ago. Three years ago? Yeah, Ted Wash. He started out as a defensive line coach in 2013. So it's like they hire from within, just build them up. I feel like they do that more with DCs than OCs just because they know the division a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, OCs have to come from somewhere, so they're they're being built that some way, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. All right, dudes, not as much happening in the NFL right now, so we're uh, trying to come up with some pretty fun segments, things that we think would be uh, entertaining for you guys. So 
we're going to go through the NFL and try to define what we think would be a successful season for each NFL team this season. We'll start with the NFC today and do the AFC on Wednesday. So let's start NFC South. Tell me, you guys, your thoughts. What would make a successful season for the Atlanta Falcons? Um, not, so, not. Uh, <clears throat> let me restart that. Not having as many injuries and you know having a positive season. They went seven and nine last year, so they they have a lot to build on, a lot to get back. I mean, how many how many offensive linemen did they draft? Uh, two. They completely. Uh, they might have done three, but I know their first couple of picks were was a tackle and a guard, and that completely fixed the right side of the offensive line for the future. Yeah, and I mean that right there is huge because so many of their guys went down last year. Like I remember thinking when the Browns when they beat the Falcons, I was like, oh yeah, this is amazing. But then of course I'm humbled by when I talk to people about it. They're like, you do realize how many time or how many players were out on the Falcons, right? I'm like, shut up, let me have this. So going into this next season, the Falcons just stay healthy. Get a positive season, build upon what you did a few years ago when you went to the freaking Super Bowl. Come on now. Um, but yeah, they just need to stay healthy. Yeah, Doug, I completely agree, man. The the biggest success for the Falcons this next year is just to stay healthy on, on both sides of the ball, be successful in all three phases of the game. Dirk Cutter's coming in as their new offensive coordinator. I think that's a great fit for him. I think he'll do well with Matt Ryan in that offense. The Falcons struggled a lot last year in the red zone. So another thing that would be considered success is being able to score in those types of situations in games. The last two years, they were not able to do that. So it, being able to see them do it this next year will be great. And then, you know, kind of as I was saying before, Cutter, I think he should have done a lot better in Tampa. I just don't think he was put in a situation to win or do well, especially with his quarterback having off the field issues and being as inconsistent as he was. But, Trish, what are your thoughts, man, with what would be considered a successful season for the Falcons? Austin, you kind of stole mine. Mine was going to be be successful in the red zone because they've been god-awful in it in the last couple of years. Find a way to get that one dude. He wears number 11. I can't remember his name. He's not He's not a very big dude or anything. What's his name? Oh, yeah, Julio Jones. You should probably get him the ball in the red zone and into the end zone. Like it, I, I feel like it's not going to be that difficult to get that guy into the end zone, but that's just me. Um, but going off of Cutter is actually the best year that uh, Julio has ever had was when he was his offensive coordinator in Atlanta because he used to be Atlanta's OC before it got went to Tampa Bay. So I would say better success in the red zone. Yes, obviously staying healthy. You can say that for every team. And I would say winning winning nine nine to ten games would be a that's what is success for them at this point i think anything less than nine games and dan quinn's fired yep agreed where uh where's matt ryan at how many years do you think he has left i mean isn't he isn't he younger than stafford no, no. i think he was actually just a year before maybe so how so long I, do you I, think, how long do you think stafford has uh, I mean, he's 31, probably five more years, realistically. Five more years is what Matt, Matt Ryan has then. <laughs> I guess a better question would be, how far removed is he from the MVP that he was a couple years ago? Do you guys think he could be in that mix again? Or do you think it's more just uh, getting the ball to the playmakers and he's just trying to 
manage the game. You guys still like Matt Ryan. Yeah, he, I, I think he can get back to it. I mean, a lot of it, I think, was also Kyle Shanahan that made him the MVP. Uh, the rest is Matt Ryan is just a good, above-average quarterback. But to be MVP, I think he really does need that. But but Cutter's good, so we'll yeah. we'll see what happens. Cool. Let's go to the Panthers. What are you guys thinking with the Panthers? Uh, to not let Cam get hit. It's crazy to me with this, the first two teams that we talk about, because Falcons, their O-line, just injuries plagued them. This last year with the Panthers, Newton just got hit and hit. And I mean, that's his style of play, too. Like, he puts his body on the line, but he's just such a big framed guy. He can take a hit. He can take a beating. But, I mean, then he gets a shoulder injury. He gets hurt. Um, so, keep cam healthy instead of just the line but keep cam healthy and again to have an over 500 season i mean they were another team that went seven and nine when they've been to the super bowl previous years not too many of their players have been a crazy difference I mean, look at their freaking running back right now christian mccaffrey i we were talking about this over the text and his arms one are huge. He looks like he's put on like 10, 15 pounds of pure muscle just in his damn arms and shoulders. Um, but they have the weapons they need. It's just cam. I'm not going to question his mental game because cam's just a weird dude in general. I can't ever predict that, but his physical game, just keep cam healthy. Yeah, Doug, I completely agree again with you, man. I mean, keeping cam healthy, you know, not allowing him to get hit game after game, play after play, that it totally affects his play on the longer aspect of the season towards the end while they're making their push for the playoffs. So I think keeping him healthy, you know, being able to schematically get guys more open downfield instead of just a running back or the short routes to McCaffrey, you know, being able to hit a guy 35-plus yards down the field is something I think they've struggled with. But for the Panthers to consider this next season a successful I really do think it's going to come from the defensive side. They need to make more of an effect on the game instead of just relying on Cam to make up for everything. So if both of those aspects start to happen and they can get 9 to 10, 11 wins, I think that's going to be really good for them, especially being in the same division as the Saints and the Falcons. For me, it's two main points. One, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because of what you just mentioned, Saints and Falcons. So I'm going to say find a way to get to 8-8 eight and eight and – let Cam have a successful season and not get beat up too much because you're going to trade him next offseason. And two, get your defensive line back to what it was two years ago when it led the NFL in sacks. Going back to my first point because both of your guys' eyes just raised. Cam's not going to last very many more years in the NFL. Get what you can out of him. Let him let Will Greer sit behind him this year. You get Will Greer as your starting quarterback next year. See what he's got. If he's bad, who cares? Then you have the number one pick overall next year and you get Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't matter. But you also get your draft picks from trading Cam Newton next offseason. Oh, talk you're to me wel- now. You're welcome, Carolina. Oh, talk to me now. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like good. that. I had no clue where you were going with that when you're like, well, da, 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 da. but then you're like, they're going to trade Cam. I'm like, oh, shoot, that's a great idea. <laughs> I, I, I truly don't believe Cam is playing in the NFL in three to four years. So, Oh, absolutely not. So, I, mean, I, just, I don't see how he is. 
Yeah, so w- just try to keep him somewhat healthy and like so he looks healthy at the end of the year. So somebody's like, hey, look, we can get we can make a run with this guy. Give up like what can you get for Cam? Maybe like a couple third rounders, a second and third rounder. Like it doesn't really matter, but yeah, I don't know. You slap Cam and Duke Johnson there. You're ah, damn it. I'm freaking waiting for one of you to Austin. say that. That's why I looked up so fast. I'm like, they're going to say something about Duke Johnson. They're going to say yeah. something about Duke Johnson. Uh, Son of a bitch, I said something about Duke Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, good stuff. I love it, man. Good really talk. good takes. Um, let's talk about the Saints. What do you guys think with the Saints? Oh, dude, the Saints, I mean... Um, I don't, the Saints I'll go with the just, Saints. I'll go with the Saints. Sorry. You, you start yeah, off with the Saints because okay, I'll start with me, the Saints. they made it so far last year. I don't even know. All right. I'll start with So, three, two, one. For the Saints, it's simple. It's Super Bowl or bust. If you, they are not in the Super Bowl, it is not a success, uh, successful season. They're done with these heartbreaking losses in the playoffs. Drew Brees has one, maybe two more years left. I think everybody realizes that there's no way Teddy Bridgewater would have re-signed with them if he knew that Drew Brees was planning on playing for three or four more years. Teddy Bridgewater could have been the starter in Miami, but he knows, hey, I get this offense in one, maybe two years. So this is their chance. This is their year right now. They're starting to get older. Like, you get one shot. Super Bowl. That's my I mean, I, I agree with you because for me, I was struggling to think of what they could improve on. Uh, I mean, they had one wrong call not go their way, um, or they had one call that didn't get called on, that didn't go their way, that ruined, I'm not going to say ruined their entire chances because there were plenty of different times they could have won that game. Um, but they need to make it to the Super Bowl. They're a Super Bowl team. Um Breeze, like you said, doesn't have that much longer left, and you know he wants one more ring. Like, um, he is amazing right now, but doesn't have that much longer left. So they have to make the Super Bowl this next season to feel like a success. Or I could see Drew Breeze just either hanging it up or just saying, "Hey, this isn't worth it." Next after this year, if they don't make the Super Bowl. You know, it's crazy because we're talking about Cam Newton having a couple years left, right? When Drew Brees, at his age, last year he threw 32 touchdowns and had five interceptions. It's just obviously a totally different style player. But, yeah, I think that that sounds about right. Austin, what do you think? I'm right there with you guys. It's a Super Bowl or bust. You know, that's what they need. But I think another key aspect of this is to stay healthy. Because if Drew Brees isn't healthy, I mean, your, total, your season's completely over from there. Now, I don't know who you're – is Hill going to come in and be your quarterback and lead you to a Super Bowl? Probably not. I mean, who else are you going to have back there? Michael Thomas can't play quarterback. He can barely get open by himself. You know what I mean? That's schematic. Everyone says how great a receiver he is, but I feel like that's all schematic as well. That's something we overlooked when we did play calling. Saints head coach. Why didn't we mention him? He's a good play caller. He is. He is. Yeah, around for 10 years. It was part of the trivia question, I guess. I'm calling you guys out right now to distract you from the fact that I just said Michael Thomas isn't as good as wide receiver because he can only get open schematically. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, sorry. You I, you didn't catch up on that. I just ignore idiotic comments. <laughs> How's that line? Is it getting pretty big? Is it, it, it's, you just... it's growing bigger and bigger. I'm disgusted with you right now. Riley, what? <laughs> 
Where what team are we going next? <laughs> we got <laughs> we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Tampa Bay. They got they got Bruce Arians there. I think that a successful season would be not taking last in that division. I, I, that sounds rude and harsh, but like to me, that team has so many holes to fill that they're just they're not as talented as everybody else. So I mean, if they can get the most potential out of their players and take third in that division, to me, that's a success. Yeah, with Tampa Bay in that division, they're just like that one team where. I don't see the Panthers taking last. I don't see the Saints taking last. I don't see the Falcons taking last. They're fighting for their life in that division. I mean, look at the freaking teams that they have to go against. But that's really the only way you could garner a successful season. Don't be at the bottom of the barrel. Don't be the team that gets shit on. Like, work your way up. Prove that you're also a powerhouse in that division and not be the one team that gets shit on by everybody else. So, yeah, third in the division, that's a success. That's a it's, huge success in that division. It sounds like they have revamped their belief in Jameis Winston. Um, if that draft was redone, is he a first-round quarterback still, do you guys think? No. And I, that leads me right into what I think their next success is. Proving that Jameis Winston can be your quarterback if you truly want him to be. Show that he can be consistent and make smart decisions. Put him in better situations to make plays, you know, give him time to make plays because right now they are not eating any W's. They are eating big fat L's and waddling around the field and looking like the little brother to every other team in their division. So for me, them to be successful, maybe winning six or seven games, that's a successful year for them. You're still developing your defense. You're trying to figure things out with Jameis. Bruce Arians is coming in as a head coach again after a year of retirement. You got a lot of a lot of things not lining up right now. So, I mean, you're not going to be competing to win the division. And if you are, it's going to be a shock to a lot of people. But I don't know how many other people are saying, hey, kind of keep an eye on the Buccaneers. They got something going on there because they really don't. <laughs> yeah. So right now it's just show show us if Jameis is going to be your guy or not and in what direction you want to go after that. Cool. Good stuff. All right, let's head NFC North. Let's start with the Green Bay Packers. Therese, what would be a successful season for the Pack? Aaron Rodgers staying healthy, proving that he's still the top quarterback in the NFL and making it to the NFC Championship game. I mean, the, they up they up their defense. He's got young wide receivers. He's got an awesome receiver in Adams. I think Aaron Jones is phenomenal. They need to find a way to get him more carries. And I think that just really making that deep playoff run that they haven't been able to do the last few few years. Yeah, I'm I'd have to say playoffs. Um I'm mostly just over the last two seasons what they've done with. I'm just trying to think of what they could consider a success because I mean Aaron Rodgers as well. He could be there two, three more years, if not longer, because his play style isn't run around and get the shit knocked out of him like Cam's course um he's more of a pocket kind of guy but um just the playoffs in general like they just make it there maybe make it out of the first round of the playoffs they make a playoff run like they get some wins in the playoffs just that itself would show that the packers are back competing 
Um, that would be a success for them. Make the playoffs. Lucky assholes. That's their standard. Just get to the playoffs and uh, and go from there. Austin, what do you think? Once again, you know, last guy, there's not much left to bite on. You know, the other <laughs> dogs have eaten everything that's there. But uh, let me go ahead and pick out some of these extra crumbs. You got to get Aaron Rodgers some help. I mean, who's his receiver outside of Devontae Adams? Who's his tight end? You drafted Sternberger. And we can dive into the uh, the Packers draft right now. I know that was a question that was asked for us on Twitter. You take Darnell Savage Jr. and Rashawn Gary in the first round, both defensive players. And then you go... Elkin Jenkins. Elkin Jenkins. You get some offensive line help. Then you go Jay Sternberger, blocking tight end. Then you go defensive tackle. Then you go defense the rest of the way through. And I'm just not seeing anybody that's really just going to come in and go, let's get Aaron Rodgers some help. Yes, they got Dexter Williams. They got another running back, which is great, but that's just going to be a depth, honestly. You know, maybe another weapon out of the backfield. But your success has to be getting Aaron Rodgers protection. You got that. You're bolstering up your defense. That's what the Packers do. They just draft for their defense. They don't really go out in free agency. They did this year. So maybe their defense is the huge thing. But for them to be successful this next year, it's going to be win the division. Show that you can beat the Bears. Show everyone that you are the Green Bay Packers and that Aaron Rodgers is still the guy, just like Tree said. And go out and own the NFC. Go to the Super Bowl. Beat the Saints for the Super Bowl. Beat the Rams for the Super Bowl. The Seahawks. Maybe the 49ers if they're there, if they can stay healthy. Yeah, no, those are good, really good points. And I, I, when they are making their draft picks, I'm like, yeah, they're not going offense right here, but that's never seemed to matter as a Lions fan. They always have guys that make the plays. Who are their other receivers, Treese, that you, do you have any confidence in any of their guys outside of Adams? I like Martel Scantling, Scantling, right? That's his name. Um, he, he showed a lot of promise last year and so did uh, St. Brown. That they were both of their picks last year, I think in the third and fourth round, and I think they both made plays. They obviously both made rookie mistakes that you could see Aaron Rodgers' frustration. But overall, I think that they have the talent, and that's why they didn't go wide receiver in the draft because they're like, hey, in 2018 we drafted these wide receivers to bring them up with Devonte Adams, and so they already know the system. So yeah. I don't think that's a big deal. Tight end. Aaron Rodgers has never used a tight end. Like, in, in his career, he's just never used one. Um, what was their receiver that they, they, he had a really long – Finley. Jema, was it Jermichael Finley? He used him a super long time ago. I remember he had, like, 11 or 12 touchdowns one year, but that was it. Yeah. And ever since then, he's just never – like, just his style, he just doesn't look for that over-the-middle type tight end. Which is why – Last year, the whole Jimmy Graham thing to me seemed weird. Where it's like, wait, you're 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 getting Jimmy Graham when that's not even like you could use utilize so many different things, and you're gonna reach for Jimmy Graham when that's not one of Aaron Rodgers' go-to weapons. Like, why go out of the the ordinary? Contract was small though; it was a one-year small small deal. So it didn't hurt him. It didn't hurt him like cap wise or like financial wise. But it was still one of those things where you just reach for it, and you're like, "Nah, you could have gotten a different player." Sweet. Let's uh, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings, Austin. Let's start with you this go around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's kind of nice to have the whole bone to chew on here instead of you know digging for some crumbs. 
This is awesome. <laughs> Great. I love it. Uh, the Vikings, for them to be successful, you got to get to the playoffs. You got to compete in the division. I know we've talked up the Packers so far, and we just said, hey, they need to win it. They need to beat the Bears. But the Vikings, I mean, they got to prove that $84 million guaranteed to Kirk Cousins is worth it. I know that was a huge, still a huge topic of discussion for them and their fan base, but that they need to win. They need to show they can stay healthy. Their defense needs to become what it was a couple years ago where, you know, they were making a deep push into the playoffs. So for them to be successful, you got to get to the playoffs. You got to compete. You got to stay healthy. And Kirk Cousins has to show that he's worth the $84 million guaranteed dollars. Who, Austin, in your opinion, who is the Vikings' best offensive player? Stephon Diggs, for sure. 100%. Okay. Trace, what do you think about what would be successful, a successful season for the Vikings? So this isn't successful for the Vikings. It's, it's success for NFL players. Every NFL player... That's in the NFC or AFC, really. If your team's not going to the Super Bowl, you need to be rooting for the Vikings to be going to the Super Bowl because of what Austin just said. $84 million guaranteed. A fully guaranteed contract. If players want that, the first person that got one has to show that it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Two teams. If the Vikings just never go back even to the NFC Championship game... It just proves that these fully guaranteed contracts are not worth it to teams. So for the NFL players, they need to be success for them is the Super Bowl because then they can start using that leverage. But if you're talking just the Vikings, I've been on record saying that I think the Vikings win that division. So I think they do. And I think that making the NFC championship game again, just like how they did two years ago, is success. There was a funny video. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it. Kirk Cousins doing the gender reveal. It was like somebody tweeted it out like that moment when an $84 million quarterback, because he's like literally four yards away from this box and he almost misses. So, um, but, you know, <laughs> it's a Lions. So, all right. Speaking of the Lions, this is going to be some hard truth for me, I feel like. But let's talk about the Lions. Austin, I want to start with you again so that you are not getting the crumbs. Just say something good. Ooh, you got to win. Matthew Stafford has to become Matthew Stafford again. I think, you know, a lot of last year was Stafford's not the guy anymore. But what I, in reality, what I think it was is he had a team around him. He had, he had talent around him, you know, outside of a Megatron. Instead of it being, hey, make a play, get us back in this game. It was, dude, take it easy. We don't need to be going for these big shots. We don't need to be wild. Let's just play the game. Our defense is good. You know, take a couple shots here, take a couple shots there, instead of like Johnny bombs away like he's usually been. So mm-hmm. I think that's where his success or his struggles were last year. This next year, I think he'll be able to develop more into that role in the offensive coordinator. I think it'll be easier for him to kind of get that grasp and build a relationship here with with the new head coach, you know, as well, going into a second year. So for them to be successful. You got to win. Defense has got to stand up. Matthew Stafford has to be successful. Winning record, of course. I think re- reaching eight and eight, nine and seven. I think that's going to be good for them, just in the fact that they can show they're getting back on track and competitive in division that we've already deemed needs to reach the playoffs for them to be successful. Yep. Yep. Um, 
I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I think that honestly, a 500 season or nine and seven would be a success for the Lions. Um, I think that Matt Stafford, he needs to show up. Like he needs to show that he is a an elite quarterback, or he's definitely above average. He's a great quarterback. Um, he needs to prove himself again. Um, I mean, now that we, I'm so stoked. We've all proclaimed our love for T.J. Hawkinson. He's a lion now. Um, I think him having a successful season two doesn't totally hinge on the Lions being a success, but it does add to their ability to have a successful season. Trace, I think you know that I slightly disagree with these two guys and can probably speak for me as to why. Yeah, right. I don't think you're going to like my answer, though. I think that it's time for the Lions to start getting ready for the post-Matthew Stafford life. I don't think that they're going to make the division or make the playoffs in this division. I think that it's three solid teams in front of them. So I think that they need to start preparing for what happens if it's week 10 and they're three and seven. I mean, you don't want to get to that point where you're winning seven games or six games. Like you're, you're playing yourself out of drafting one of the top quarterbacks at that point. So for me, it's by week eight, you have to make that decision on if you're all in on Stafford and not just this year, we're talking Mm -hmm. future years, the next three years, or if it's time to just move on, which would mean like sitting Matthew Stafford and then just moving on after this year. And why I say week eight is because that's when the trade deadline is. So you're going to have to make you either make a move at the trade deadline to feel like that's pushing you over the top to let you compete in it or you just succeed the season or. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're right, because another seven win season is just the same narrative. And how many off seasons can you get staff for more help? So, yep, some hard truth, but I think you're right. Let's talk about the Bears. Doug. Chicago Bears. I think that the sorry, I had to unmute my mic. <laughs> I almost forgot. <clears throat> the Chicago Bears, I mean, hell, oh, they had a pretty damn successful last season for what they did. Um, I think success for them is showing that Mitch Trubisky is a more than average, above average quarterback. Continue to build on him. Uh, keep their defense running at such a high pace. And making it, I know that kind of with the Vikings, I say they need to make the NFC Championship. It's really with them, they seem to make the playoffs. But the Bears, on the other hand, for a success for them, for what they did last year, was make a deep playoff run. That's what they need this year. Whether it's winning a game, a couple games, going straight to the championship or NFC Championships, that'd be huge for them. So I think a success for them when making a playoff run or a deep playoff run. Where do you guys have? What do you guys think about Trubisky, Treese and Austin specifically? I like him. I really do like him. I think I do too. You know, he I played think he's one tough. year. He played one year of college ball, so he needed that developmental year in the NFL. He got that before Nagy. Last year was more of a development with Nagy in the offense. It's a tough offense to learn and run, but you saw throughout the year his athletic ability was was able to over, overcome some of those moments of stress and not knowing what to do. And then as the year went on, you really just kind of saw him settle in and become a quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And, you know, their defense is what it is. They lost some key players on it. But, 
losing your defensive coordinator as well, you got to get yourselves back to the playoffs. You got to show that it wasn't just one or two players or your defensive coordinator that kind of helped you. Mitchell Trubisky's got to become the guy. I mean, he's got to solidify that. Matt Nagy, I think, is a wonderful coach. I like the guy. He's from Kansas City. Coach with Andy Reid, you know, he moved up the chain there and then got the job with the with the Bears. And I mean, show him what you got, man. Let, let's go. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Bears can do this year. Like, I truly am. So, if they make it to the playoffs, I honestly say look out. Watch out. Yeah. I've said it before. I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. So, for me, a successful season is making the playoffs. And probably finding a kicker that knows how to kick it through those two yellow posts. Like You're supposed <laughs> to make it inside of that. Yes, I saw that they tried out eight kickers and only two of them made the kick in front of the entire team. Super embarrassing. Like That sucks for those kickers and everything. But like, are we forgetting that that kick was blocked? Like, it was, yeah. There was It was tipped. It but still, that the two for eight thing though, I cracked up so hard when I read that. I was like, "Damn, that's just a plague now for them." Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you are trying out and you shank that kick, you just you turn in your pads right there, just head home, get to your car, and just like you're done, dude. That's humiliating. <laughs> it really is. So I just think that I think the Packers and the Vikings make the playoffs this year, and I just don't see. I think the NFC is stacked enough that there's no way three teams from one division make it so success for me make the playoffs again okay cool let's head to nfc east uh let's talk about the cowboys i'll go ahead and lead us into that as well um dallas cowboys nfc east get your defense built back up you know let's see what they can do, let's see if they're the true dudes. You know, let's get the Dallas Cowboys back to the top. Because when the Cowboys are good, the NFL is pretty exciting. When the NFC East is good, the NFL is pretty exciting. And I hate saying that being an AFC West guy because there's so much talent there as well. But the NFC East helped develop the NFL and turn the NFL into what it is. I mean, every team in that division has won a Super Bowl. Every team is always competitive. One of the teams is always in the playoffs. Duh, one team from every conference, you know, division goes to the playoffs. But, like, once one of those teams make it in the playoffs, I mean, you see with the Giants, they were wild card contenders, and they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, they did it twice. Fuck you guys, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I said it, and I was just like, fuck me. Like, duh. Yeah. I like it, though. I I totally agree with you. I'm going to go a different route. And I'm going to say lock up Jack Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and a couple of the defensive guys. You need to get them under contract so they're there for the long term because if you don't, you're starting from scratch next year. And I think with the way Dak played once Cooper came in, he played like what we thought he was his First year, his rookie year, right? Not what he was his sophomore. I always say sophomore year. That's not how it is in the NFL. His second year. And so, for me, it's locking up the big three offensive guys in Cooper, Zeke, and Dak. Yeah, no, I think that they just need to build on their offense. Um, last year, Leighton Vander Esch freaking showed up on their defense, did really, really well. Um, they just need to keep keep their defensive attitude, have them heavy hitters. That sucks about D-Law, though, with him. 
um, having some surgery now after getting paid, but he's still really damn good. But their offense, they'll just build on what the latter end of their season became. Like you said, once they got Amari, um, Dak, Dak was insane. He did a lot better. Uh, Zeke, he's Ezekiel Elliott. No one can really argue whether or not he's good. He needs to get, like you said, locked down. Um, they'll make the playoffs, so a good deep playoff run would be nice. Win a playoff game. That's what I define success for them is to win a playoff game. Okay, let's talk New York Giants. Any chance Daniel Jones plays this year? Uh, 100%. You see that, t- that highlight tape of him thrown to the fullback about six times? <laughs> Holy shit, am I excited. I think let's go Giants. Barkley, number one overall in your fantasy league, you're just dumb. Right? Oh, oh dude. Like, Daniel Jones, let's go, baby. Let's go. Dude. And not not speaking of that, but the Giants defense is about to be on the field a ton. Because think of all the interceptions he's going to throw, whether it's Eli or him, or they just don't have productive uh, offense. But the Giants, dude, honestly, if they have an 8-8 eight and eight year, just 500, that's pretty damn successful right now for the Giants. That's going to be the best thing I can think of them. 100%. I think their defense needs to do something. I mean, it hasn't really been much. You know, I mean, a couple years ago, they were deemed as one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they just completely fell apart. And then it turned into Eli Manning being an issue. Defense got worse and worse. All right. Somehow the thought of, let's trade Odell Beckham, that became a good idea after saying we're not going to trade him. Uh, Don't know what you do there. Then you take Daniel Jones, the great Daniel Jones. Let me get that correct there real quick. Boy, cannot guy throw the ball to some fullbacks. (laughs) Look the fuck out, okay? Because uh, the Giants got it going on, man. That's a lot of sarcasm. But in all seriousness, just, just win some games. I mean, be competitive this next year. I think if you can... Beat you know every team in your division at least once this year. I think that's success. You know you're showing that you're still competitive. But if you lose, you know those six games, which is going to be very scary. You lose those, and then you know the other divisions that you're playing in the league. It's going to be hard to come back from that. And I think that forces Eli out, especially since everyone knows he wants to play another year or two. I don't really think Daniel Jones is going to play this next year. If he does, I honestly think he'll be a lot better than. A, than anticipated. Yes, he went number six overall, but he's still a good quarterback. He's been trained by the right guys. He's been, you know, raised in that, similar to what Eli was. They look like they're similar type guys. But man, you just got to win some games as the Giants. It's really hard to sit here and talk about what can be successful for them other than just winning because there's not much to be excited for, in all honesty. For me, it's to make make the change from Eli to Daniel Jones. You don't waste a number six overall pick for them to sit out two years if Eli wants to play two years. Sure, one year, I can understand that. I mean, there's a lot of stories of how a quarterback is successful after sitting one year. But in the end, it's if Eli wants to go out, play until they're officially eliminated from the playoffs, the moment they're officially eliminated from the playoffs – that's when Daniel Jones comes in and you get to see what you got out of this number six overall pick. So for me, it's see what you got on, you know, this was the big draft for them, right? It was with the pick from Odell. It was a top, top 10 pick for him where they get a quarterback. 
it has to be successful. Eagles. Carson, Carson Wentz. Staying healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say so. I wanted to beat you to it. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz staying healthy and being what he was in 2017. If he is what if he is what he was in 2017, Eagles are the best team in the NFC. What is the percentage of likelihood, Treese, that you think that that happens? 70, 65. I agree with you with Carson Wentz because, I mean, if he can go back to how he was his rookie year, then damn, watch out. He's a really damn good quarterback. Um, keep their defense being a dominant defense if you can. But Carson Wentz staying healthy, not getting hurt which really sucks for him when it does happen. And this year, they don't, have a, they don't have a backup that they can bank on like they could last year with Nick Foles. Um, so keep Carson Wentz healthy. They'll have a successful season. That, and if Carson Wentz stays healthy and goes back to how he used to be, then, damn, he could, they could make a really deep playoff run, um, even be the team that represents the NFC in the Super Bowl. But that all hinges on Carson Wentz staying healthy and being like he was his rookie year. Where's their patience inventory at with Carson Wentz? If he does get hurt again this year, do you guys think they start? That's why they, that's why they let Nick Foles go. It's one, it's 100%. There's no question about it. And Doug, you keep saying rookie year. I think you mean his second year. I do. Cool. Austin, what do you think, man? I think the success for them is going to be calling similar plays to what they did for Nick Foles. I mean, call plays that gets guys open. Call plays so the pressure's not all on Carson Wentz to make a play. Put him in a good situation. You got a running back in Miles Sanders there in the end of the second round, which was a fantastic pickup by them. I think he's going to come in and tear it up. He was a running back that was overlooked highly just due to the fact that he played behind Saquon Barkley. And then their defense. Their defense needs to step up again. They had issues in their secondary, especially with their corners. You get those guys in and ready to play. Your defensive line is solid. Your linebackers are decent. You get everything lined out, man. A successful year is making it to the playoffs. And I know we've said that about a lot of these teams, but the NFC is good, man. And especially the NFC East and the NFC North. Like Those are a lot of good. And the NFC South. I mean, shit. Just all like The NFL is so good, and everyone has all these high expectations. I'm talking to myself out of everything that I'm saying right now, but it's just hard to be successful in the NFL. So to be a successful year for each of these teams and where you're at, yeah, you got to get to the playoffs, but a lot of it's staying healthy too. And so that's yeah. going to be another thing for Wentz. Well, Stay yeah. healthy, be put in a good situation and don't get yourself hurt. Yeah. Just building off that. The NFC is just so damn hard. Like there's so many good teams that it's, it's just incredible. Like when you look at the AFC, NFC on paper, you're like, damn, how do teams like make it in the NFC and how do these teams suck? Because it's it's really damn hard. I don't I don't think the NFC is that good. We've got one more division. Let's talk about the Rams. The Rams. I mean, they come back from a heartbreak Super Bowl loss. It seemed like Jared Goff was kind of a little shaken up the whole week before the Super Bowl. Like he seemed nervous. I mean, yeah, I get it. He's a young dude. They're a young team, young coaching staff going in the Super Bowl biggest game of their life going on right then and there um so a lot of their success making a deep playoff run but also their success hinges on jared goff 
and Sean McVay continuing to mesh like they did last year and finding that offensive success because, I don't know, that, that look of fear that was in Jared Goff's eyes before the Super Bowl that whole week with interviews, I was just like, where where the regular season Jared Goff go? Because he seemed like he was just he was being asked too much. He was put into a place where the shoes were maybe a little too big and he couldn't quite fill them. Um, so I think whether or not Jared Goff has a successful season is what determines the Rams having a successful season. So let me ask you this. Are you telling me if the Rams are not successful this year, you think that they're going to move on from Jared Goff? No, but I think that they'll be prepping in the future to where it's more like the eyebrows will be raised and be like, okay, let's give him, let's see how he does this year. Maybe it was just a down year because, you know, that heartbreak Super Bowl loss. But I could see them, if he has, the Rams have an unsuccessful season this year and then next season is about the same way where it's kind of a May playing it down, not a successful season, kind of harmful. I'm not going to say harmful, but kind of a low lackluster season. Then in two years, if Jared Goff wasn't like he was this last season, they do move on from him in two years. And when you say unsuc- – sorry, I'm asking a whole bunch of questions here because this is really That's interesting. Fine. So are you saying like when you say successful, I mean are you saying like they just don't make the playoffs or are you saying they make the playoffs and lose? Sorry, I'm just trying to make sure I understand. I say that they don't win a playoff game. Um I mean, it's the Rams, especially their defense, for instance. They're a dominant defense, ton of talent. Same with their offense. I mean, yeah, there's something going on with Todd Gurley. That's why they brought in Daryl Henderson, drafted a running back so soon. Um, so there's something going on with Todd Gurley. Other than that, though, their offense is still really good. Cooper Cup's coming back, who Jared Goff loved. But if they make it to the playoffs, that's great. But if they don't win a playoff game for two years in a row, they start looking at their options. Because for me, without Sean McVay, I don't think Jared Goff would be a good quarterback. I think he'd be average and somebody, maybe a potential backup here in a few years. But without Sean McVay, I don't see Jared Goff being that good. That's a hot take. Austin, let's start with you. As crazy as it sounds, I don't think that's that bad of a idea. I feel like Sean McVay is in a position where he believes in himself and his play calling enough to where we don't need to pay this guy millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Millions and millions of dollars. Like, let's put ourselves in a position to be decent. If we don't make the Super Bowl, okay. And this is going to be another crazy hot take. Let's say they play this next year. He doesn't do as well. Okay? They trade him. They get a couple draft picks. Guess where they trade him to? Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. They get a couple first rounders, and then they use those to move up and get Trevor Lawrence. How is that possible? I, I've already taken Trevor Lawrence to the Panthers. Were, were you <laughs> listening earlier? I was. <laughs> but they're going to jump the Panthers. All right. I don't know how you jump somebody that has the number one overall pick. But... Great. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um. I'm all for hot take, so I like it, guys. I completely, completely disagree, but <laughs> I like, I love hot takes. Like, I, they're like hot cakes, like pancakes. Oh, yeah. Fucking, I can eat those all day, right? Yeah, I went to freaking Hash House today. They're the biggest damn pancakes I've ever had. 
And okay. no, we're not sponsored by ha- Hash House. <laughs> no free ads. No free ads. Bam, bam, bam. Covered so, up. Speaking of number one picks, we've got just a few teams left here. Let's go Cardinals. What are you guys expecting out of them and Kyler this season? Well, I'll go ahead and start here. Let me go back to the Rams because I never really said anything for them to be successful. Uh, they got to get their defense going again. Jared Goff's got to show that he is the guy, you know, show that he is going to be worth millions and millions of dollars. Golly, that's really hard to say. Uh, and honestly, just show Sean McVay that he is worth it and that this could be the next Brady-Belichick type relationship that could continue on for years to come if they both can dominate the NFL which you can see with Jared Goff at times, but the Super Bowl was a big stage for him. It was his first time. You could tell the nerves were there. and that Not necessarily that he wasn't ready for it, but, damn, that's a big moment to be in. And when you have a defense like that that has two weeks to prepare for you, you're going to see things that you're not used to seeing and things that you didn't go over. And I really do think that was a lot of his issues was just the schematic difference of Bill Belichick with two weeks to prepare for your ass. And so now we'll go into the Arizona Cardinals here. Kyler Murray's got to show that he's the number one pick. Cliff Kingsbury's got to show that he can't be an info coach and that he's ready for this. I mean, you get fired from Texas Tech. You go to do be an offensive coordinator at USC, which would be a dream opportunity to rebrand yourself and get UST. You, oh, my God. And get USC back to the top. Uh, promising program, you know, a rich tradition there of success get them back and then show you ready for the NFL. Instead, you completely skip over that and you go to a head coach in the NFL. When a lot of people were confused because you weren't successful in college, you had great quarterbacks and <clears throat> MVP Patrick Mahomes. Don't forget about it. Who's that? Some guy named Baker Mayfield that no one really likes. Transferred to University of Oklahoma. Still no one really likes. So... And then Davis Webb as well, and you get rid of it. I mean, these are all three quarterbacks that have been drafting the NFL, and you weren't successful with them. So how are we, how are we so supposed to expect you to be successful in the NFL with a quarterback the same size as Russell Wilson and you have no NFL experience? So to me, for them to be successful, it's just showing that you can win in the NFL and that you are prepared and ready for it. Because if not, oh boy, look out. It's going to be a mess in Arizona. For me, success is... Kyler Murray winning off uh, Rookie of the Year. Plain and simple. He's got to win Rookie of the Year. Got to show that it was worth that risk of moving on from Josh Josh Rosen. Oh, indeed. Yeah. No, it uh, it have to be all – it all hinders on the success of Kyler Murray because then if he's not successful, Cliff Kingsbury looks like he's kind of a dumbass when it comes to that pick. So it really kind of – you know, Kyler's got to be successful. I can't imagine the weight that's put on his shoulders right now because right now, a new coaching staff, a new regime, um, whether or not you're good in the NFL can determine, like, you know, their livelihoods, their futures. Yeah, okay. And one other thing that I forgot to mention, you better let Larry Fitzgerald ride into that sunset, damn it. You let him do whatever he wants, and you... Put him out on top because that dude deserves freaking everything. If you guys don't know like him and backstory, like you guys should look him up. He is like honestly the coolest dude ever. He's so awesome. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter what team you're a fan of, what team you hate. 
Larry Fitzgerald is the universally loved player in the NFL. He is a great dude, great mentor. I, I, I don't. If anybody ever said anything negative about Larry Fitzgerald, I wouldn't be surprised if I thought about throwing fists because that's a bad take. Nobody should ever degrade Larry Fitzgerald. Those are fighting words. That's right. All right, so I'll go ahead and get us rolling here with the Seahawks transitioning to them. Um, for them to be successful, get Russell Wilson weapons, get their offense rolling again. Don't just rely on first down, second down, third and Russell. I mean, let you know that's not going to work out for too much longer. Get your defense back to what it was before. You traded Frank Clark. You took some sort of confusing picks in the draft. You know, LJ Collier there in the first round. Quite a reach. I feel like you would have been there in the second for you. But, you know, they did what they did, and they turned four draft picks into 11. And then, But when you can turn your draft into that, I mean, I'm sure you got some type of plan you're going to figure out because the, Seah- the Seahawks seem to do that really well. Somehow they still find ways to win. They find ways to compete, and they find themselves in the playoffs. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do this next year as well with Wilson. You know, DK Metcalf's looking pretty good in camp so far, running two different directions and chopping his feet really fast. You know, damn, I'm excited. Can't wait to watch him play. But in all reality, I am just because Russell Wilson can drop the ball in a bucket. And if DK Metcalf, all you got to do is run and then just open your arms up and let the ball fall there, you guys are going to be pretty good. And DK Metcalf is going to look like the steal of the draft with him falling into the second round like he did. So for them, it's it's winning the division, getting to the playoffs, and then competing at a high level again. Doug, what are your thoughts on it, man? Um, just the whole competing at a higher level. I mean, their defense from three years ago, four years ago, looks nothing like it used to. I mean, now their sole guy is Bobby Wagner, um, who I, I'm a fan of. He was the highest-graded coverage uh, linebacker in the league last year. He's fast. He gets after the ball. But the rest of the defense, though, you need to get back to what it used to be. It's never going to be the Legion of Boom again. I mean, come on now. But they got to build it back up. Um, Russell Wilson's making like nine grand an hour right now. So, you know, he needs to be able to shape up. Or I shouldn't say shape up, but he should have a good season. I mean, he's making the bank, man. I wish I could make that much money an hour, but nah, no way. Um, I think that what the offense can do is going to be huge. Um, I do, I mean, they have to win at least a playoff game. That would be huge for their success is to make it like a playoff run, win a playoff game. Um, that'd be a successful season for them in my book. Yep. That's pretty much it. Uh, I think that they need to make the playoffs again. I mean, I had them earlier in this, uh, our podcasting episodes. I had them winning this division. Now that they traded Frank Clark, I'm sort of reconsidering that pick. But I think that they are going to give the Rams still a run for their money. I think that I actually think that this team, even defensively, is still pretty damn good. We're just used to them being the elite of elite. So I would say playoff playoffs. Making the playoffs again is success for them. Uh, how about I just go straight into the Niners? Absolutely. Let's do it. Cool. Niners, not having a top five pick because that's all you do, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, because you guys are not very good at your job. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, everybody. Wow. I just, I just bow, bow, bow. Talk no, about I actually, it. I actually Talk really, to me I, now. I actually really like what they're doing. Um, I know that it's more injuries than anything. So I think it's quarterback staying healthy and ha- having a above 500 record. I'm not I'm not even going to say playoffs. I'm just going to say above 500 record is success for them. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I'd say 9-7, and seven, keep Jimmy G healthy. That right there would be a win. It would be a huge success for them, and that could lead to them the next year. The next expectation would be playoffs, easily. Um, so this year can inspire hope. That's what I would say for their poor team is just inspire hope. Nine and seven. I'll agree with you guys. Uh, Treese really said it, but man, they got to stay healthy. It doesn't matter who your GM or your head coach is if you can't get guys to stay healthy. You ain't doing nothing. So maybe they just need to get a new athletic trainer, maybe a new doctor in there and just say, hey, what are we misdiagnosing here? How are these guys continuing to get hurt? What are we doing wrong? You know, Yeah, because a doctor is going to say, hey, you, don't tear that ACL. I mean, he can be, hey, your knee is bothering you. Why don't you go ahead and sit out today instead of being like, hey, you're fine. Rub some dirt on it. Oh, shit, your ACL just tore because the knee that's been hurting you the last two days that you've been mentioning to me, but I said, fuck it. Same thing with the freaking Chargers, dude. Every I, damn dude, year, they're an injury away from being in this Super Bowl and into the playoffs. And I hate seeing that because I hate seeing a team be turned into – I swear to God, if it happens with the Chiefs, I'm going to fucking cry. I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to cry in front of you guys because I hate injuries. They suck so much. And I hate seeing it with Derrick Rose, too. I'll go into the NBA right now. Derrick yeah. Rose's career was shattered because of injuries. That dude won the MVP at 22 years old. Yep. Holy shit. Derrick Rose, never heard of her. Um, so moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not moving on because I'm still talking about the 49ers. Man, I said it before. Patrick, what if Patrick Mahomes? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I, mm. Tag it back. Don't you I put take, that. I, I don't you put back. that evil on me now, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, I was kind of serious right there. You take that back. But 49ers, you got to stay healthy. Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy. Shanahan's got it going on. Garoppolo's in discussions for MVP. I've called it before, and I'm calling it again. I can't wait to see what their season's like, especially with their defense getting revamped. Their pass rush is going to be awesome. I'm excited to see what the 49ers are going to do this next season. Agreed. I, I mean, personally, back when we did the division thing, pretty sure I had them winning the division. Um, that's like above the bar, but for terms for them being successful, it's still nine and seven, but dude, do you think that D Ford and Jimmy Garoppolo, when they first saw each other, they gave a bro hug or do you think Jimmy G was still sour? I'm sure Jimmy G was just kind of like, I probably shouldn't have tried to hit you. I probably should have just ran out of bounds. (laughs) D Ford's probably like. Yeah, man, you probably should have done that. You know, you probably should have just ran out of bounds, bro. Didn't mean to hit you, bro. Because he talks in a high-pitched voice, if you guys haven't heard it before. <laughs> I, I haven't heard so Oh, it's freaking hilarious. All right, well, I think that pretty much wraps up our show today for you guys. I believe that's all we got. Is there anything else you want to say? Nope. Next next episode, we'll do the AFC, and I think it's going to get a little bit heated. Ooh. It'll get heated. heated. It'll get heated. Also, that'll give us time to answer... Uh, Matt Pomaro's question about the Jets. We'll talk about that more next episode, too. Bow, bow, bow. Can't wait to see you guys then. Thanks for listening to today. Have a wonderful Cinco de Mayo. Celebrate it. Enjoy yourselves. We'll talk to you later in the week. Peace out, boys. And today, of course, we're talking football.
Redskins fans, we are so sorry, but we did not go over your team. That is our bad, but we will do it next episode. Today we've been talking football.